Welcome to the Colby Cast, episode 150. Thank you for joining us. Today, Bonnie and I are joined by homeschooling mother of 10 and liturgical living guru, Kendra Tierney. In addition to sharing her homeschooling experiences and what it's like to film a cooking show in her own home with all of her children, we hear about how bringing the liturgical life into our homes helps us to incorporate the joy and beauty of the faith into our daily lives. We certainly enjoyed our time with Kendra, and we hope that you'll enjoy the show. Hi there, I'm Bonnie, liturgical musician, popcorn and podcast fanatic, and Colby homeschooling mom to four lads and lasses of middle and high school age. And this is Stephen, homeschooling father of five and director of development for Colby Academy. Stephen, how's your week going? Week is going very well here. We've had a warm spell here in the Midwest or the Southern Midwest, so it's a taste of spring. Oh, good. Okay here too and and maybe we'll yet be surprised by another blast of winter but hopefully not hopefully hopefully right. it's going to stay nice our guest today is mrs kendra tierney likely a name known to many of our listeners thanks to her website catholic all year or her show on formed hi kendra welcome to the colby cast hi thanks so much for having me uh, it's a delight to meet you it's a real treat for me i've been a longtime blog reader of yours and um, followed your your family doings for a long time, and I've gotten a lot of out of what you shared about your family culture that you're that and the intentionality around living your faith, ways that you've handled things that have come up in family life, so forth. And and I appreciate you sharing so much of that with us. It's been really instructive and inspirational. I imagine many of our listeners are familiar with you, but for those who are not, would you tell us about yourself and your family, your homeschool connection, and those sorts of things? Yeah, we live in the uh, in Southern California in the unincorporated LA County, the foot of the mountains that are currently covered in snow, which is unusual for us. Yes. Um, I have ten children. The oldest is twenty and a junior at the engineering school at USC, and uh, I've got another daughter in college, and my youngest is three. So. I've got some homeschooling years ahead of me. I started homeschooling my oldest son uh, when he was in kindergarten. So it's been it's been a long haul. Been at it for a while. I'm sure there's a lot we can learn from you and how you have made it work in your homeschool, which is always a fun topic for us to discuss here on the Colby Cast. We are always curious how do you how do you do it? How do you make it work? So uh, before we get there, though, would you tell us about Catholic All Year? How it came about? And how it's grown. Uh, it, I think homeschool moms will be, I mean, all all parents will be uh, familiar with the constant barrage of questions that you get from little kids. And so, so Catholic All Year is sort of an apostolate of liturgical living in the home, which means observing the church calendar through, um, through celebrating the seasons of. Uh, of the year and particular saints days in the home, just sort of being aware of them and and also um, using historic and also sometimes new ways to to celebrate and learn about them. But it all, my blog, catholicallyear.com, you know, it, it all started just as a blog. And that came from my oldest son, Jack. Uh, I was uh, preparing him for his first Holy Communion 
And I had been raised Catholic. I kind of thought I knew what I was talking about, but I didn't at all. I didn't have any of the answers to these questions. And it really caused me to, to look more deeply into what we believe so that I could answer his questions. Um, and when I complained to my spiritual director at the time that uh, there wasn't just this one uh, one book that I could go to to get all of these answers to these questions that my son is asking me. And he said, well, then you should write it. And I learned there that you don't complain to your spiritual director. <laughs> he will give you a job. Um, but it ended up being fortuitous because I wrote that book based on his questions and Ignatius Press agreed to publish it and asked me if I had a platform. And I didn't even know what that meant. I wasn't even personally on Facebook or social media of any kind. Um, so I started a blog and uh, was deciding what I wanted to talk about. And I thought that that these liturgical living traditions that I had discovered while looking into, you know, what do Catholics believe uh, would be a good thing to, to uh, you know, inspire the blog and, and the rest is history. <laughs> I've been trying to think when I first came across your blog, it has been a long time. I don't remember. It's been been that far back. I've just thought, oh, well, I'm going to see what what Kendra has on Catholic all year. Like that. It that has- was ten. It was ten years ago that that I started it. Ten years ago in January. So wow, wow. Yeah. And now it's grown into so. I mean, so you you maintain your blog, which is replete with all sorts of great stuff. But you've added several other things. Can you tell us about those? Yeah, we also have. You know. Everything I do is trying, you know, is remembering back to when I was that young mom trying to figure all of this stuff out from scratch. How am I going to teach my kids how to be Catholic? How am I going to teach my kids about all of these, you know, cool Catholic traditions? And so as as the blog grew, we just wanted like, how, how can I make these resources more useful for for families? So we have a membership that gets you a lot of printable materials for the month. We have a subscription box where you can get supplies and inspiration for three feast days delivered to your home every month. And, and we also, we have a whole marketplace because as my business was growing, I realized that I really appreciated having sort of a side hustle to keep me occupied. I really appreciated having sort of that creative outlet but the logistics were really miserable having boxes stacked up in my living room and, you know, having the kids like packing everything, which, you know, part of that is, is, is a beautiful thing, you know, running a family business. But as I got my whole infrastructure for Catholic all year set up, I realized I want to help other mom, other, you know, parent makers to uh, be able to scratch that creative itch without having to do all the logistics themselves. So now we have the Catholic All Your Marketplace where we also host and do fulfillment and shipping for other Catholic makers as well. So they don't have to have it in their living rooms. So yeah, it's uh it's it's been a fun ride and I have a great team that I get to work with. And the most recent thing is our TV show Unformed, uh, because the one thing I hear from everybody and what I experienced myself when I was first, because I didn't make up liturgical living in the home. It's been been around there are books that have been promoting it since you know um the 1960s including one by uh, maria von trapp which is really sweet but yeah what i hear from people and what i experienced myself is reading about it and saying well that sounds great but it would be too complicated for me to start doing so uh when formed reached out to me about doing a show i said i just want to be able to show people that 
it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be complicated. It just like, here's what it looks like in one family's home. So uh, it's a cooking show because people know what a cooking show is. So it's, it's technically a cooking show, but really the idea is just be in my actual kitchen. We shoot it in my kitchen with my kids using my stuff. And uh, so I just want to give people a glimpse at how one family is doing it to hopefully inspire them to, you know, try it for themselves. I've seen your cooking with your children on your on the formed page, and that's not quite what it looks like in my house. Just for the record, it's <laughs> oh no, <laughs> <laughs> a little little bit messier in the kitchen, and a lot more spill spilling and uh, and things going on. I think over here, but uh... one of the one of the best moments in the show was my three year old daughter helping me make soup, and she, and she she couldn't stop herself from just like trying handfuls of salt two different times um so that was great we try to keep laughing. it a little bit real <laughs> i was <laughs> laughing so hard during, during that when you start talking about that it calls it to mind and just the face that she was making like, yes you're trying this again yeah i mean and that's what because the liturgical living in the home for us has just it's been such a beautiful family culture kind of a way to live. It's not, you know, when I first started looking into it, I thought, oh, okay, this will be a good way to teach my kids catechism. Um, but really you realize that that it it kind of reaches its fingers into everything in this in a beautiful way. And and so it it is accurate that my three-year-old helps me cook and you know and and so does my 20-year-old when he's home. And it's it really is liturgical living that that gives me that push to be a mom who lets her kids help out in the kitchen. Because on other days I'm, you know, I'm busy, I'm running late. I didn't know what we were going to have for dinner and I need everybody out of here so I can just do it. But on those days that we are celebrating a feast day, it's a family, <laughs> it's a family um, affair. And, and we, you know, we do do it together. And, and it has been, it really has been an inspiration to me to be that mom who gets her kids involved, who talks about why we're doing it and how to do it. Um, so it's, it's been, it, it just really has genuinely been a great way to, to teach and to learn in our home for, for many years. <laughs> I really enjoy how you have, uh, I'm going to use this word normalize, which I used in a previous conversation with Chantel Barrows of Shining Light Dolls here recently. And I, I don't love the word, but it, it seems, um, uh, I haven't yet to come up with a closer one. I, I like how you have decided to celebrate the liturgical year by um, your the meals that you have and the decor in your home and the attire you all wear sometimes or like the hairstyles that you do for the Feast of St. Perpetua and Felicity, that those sorts of things. It's very similar to when we're preparing for the secular holidays for St. Patrick. Well, you know, St. Patrick's Day is not anyhow. I think you know it's what gone. I mean, like how... Yeah. <laughs> The holidays have become more secular in nature that, you know, that everyone's all decked out all their, all their, everything and they're baking, whatever in, in celebration of those holidays. But you're, you've brought that same kind of zeal and intentionality to the liturgical feasts. And I think that it makes it really, it seems doable. It seems like, oh, I, I could do that. I'm, I mean, I'm doing it for Valentine's day. I could do it for this feast day. Yeah. And, um, really the some of the earliest uh, places that I heard about any of this was in some of the books that were on our homeschool reading list. 
the children of noisy village is one um where where you really see how they use how th- there's a there's a chapter in there of them preparing for christmas and um and, and they I, i'm pretty sure they mention other feast days in there as well but just these beautiful little traditions that seem to make so much sense to the children and and are such a beautiful way to you know to introduce these topics and then a grown-up book that I'm actually rereading right now over this Lent is Kristen Lavern's Daughter, which yeah. um, is, I mean, it is intense and not for little ears, um, <laughs> but it's just this amazing and very truthful um, saga that documents the life of this medieval um, Norwegian woman from her childhood uh, through her death and um, and it's, you know, mostly about her personal travails and struggles, but, but peppered in through it are these just beautiful liturgical year celebrations, all these feast days and any date that, that, uh, the author mentions in the book, it's never a month and a day. It's always St. Somebody's day. And most of them at this point, I know, which I don't think I did, you know, like seven or eight years ago when I first listened to it. But now I'm like, oh, I know, I know at least what month that one's in. Yeah. But it just feels like such a whole way to practice our faith because it's easy to focus on the hard stuff. Like, how do I get, and this is what I experienced, you know, how do I get my kids to sit still during mass and pay attention? How do I get them to sit through the rosary without complaining? How do I get them to do Lent and and mean it? And, and I think that that's so important. That's a really, those, all of those things are still goals in my family, but but if we just focus on that part, we're giving a really, truly incomplete picture of the practice of our faith, that it is those hard things, but it's also these beautiful celebrations. It's these funny, um, you know, funny saint day, you know, patron saints, like that, you know, that St. Lawrence is a patron saint of cooks because he was cooked, so he gets it. Um, and... <laughs> Uh, you know, but the church has this humor, you know, and the reason why um, why food is such a big part of it for us, rather than, you know, crafts and coloring pages, which I'm for, you know, if if the time is right. But but really, historically, these these feast days have been celebrated by families and parishes and and villages and entire countries using particular recipes that that people would look forward to having every year. And, and that is really the case in my home that tying it together with food really makes it fun and memorable. And also, you know, creates that family culture and that Catholic culture where, you know, I, I think that all parents, you know, we want our kids to stay Catholic, right? We want the things that we teach them and, and uh, model for them to, to stick with them. And, you know, I know for my kids that if they were to, uh, you know, if they were to go off and be nothing or another religion, they'd be giving up a lot of, you know, a lot of these family traditions that they that they really um, have enjoyed. So I think that that's a that, that that's a really important side effect of, you know, of, of really sort of embracing this as a lifestyle. I hadn't, I mean, I've only been thinking about this a lot in the last year or so. We've talked to a number of people like Chantel from the Shining Light Dolls. And what you're saying here makes so much sense to me, you know, because as a father, I particularly think when I'm not at my best 
And, you know, it's like everybody's fidgeting in mass and it's kind of grumpy. Okay. So grumpy there, they're trying to get everybody to sit down and actually focus and pray the rosary. Okay. It's, it's like, ah, come on, can't we just focus here? And as a, you, you were talking, it makes me, reminds me that if I'm not careful, the only experiences outside of the church my children will have are these overall negative sort of experiences when I'm at my worst. I mean, I'm hopefully not that way all the time, but, but when incorporating these things in their daily life, where like when we talk again, Chantal with shining light dolls, the, the children are playing with images of their faith. And like you're saying, my kids love it whenever we do this sort of thing, where it's like every year we do this, we have this meal, we celebrate in this way. It's something that, that they, they get excited about. So when that's linked to their faith and the saints, they now have this integrated um, and accurate exposure of what our our faith is like. You know, again, just made me think of the wedding feast at Cana. Our faith isn't all about sacrifice and and hard things. The first miracle happening at a at a celebration and a feast. So and with wine, which I appreciate. But uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's... yeah, no, absolutely. I think. I think it gives us, it helps, like you were saying, to, um, you know, to create that, that balance and that it, it gives us a little more, gives us a little more room to fail in, in, uh, you know, in, in other areas because, you know, we're not perfect, but the nice thing about, you know, the Catholic faith encourages us to strive for perfection, but it gives us a lot of uh, of support and you know places for support when we when we don't reach that goal um and and i i really think that look, living the liturgical year is you know it's just one more instance of that i guess i should this shouldn't be all new to me and, and it isn't completely but feast days right i mean they're they're called feast days there it's not it, there's a reason we should be incorporating these things yeah for some people, including me, it was a very daunting prospect to think, well, I'm going to incorporate all, all, I'm going to do all the things, right? I'm going to incorporate all the feasts into our family life. Well, that's a bit uh, lofty goal to get started, right? But there, there are so many opportunities to be like, okay, I can do that one. And then I can do this one eventually. And pretty soon we've accumulated several that are just part of the, uh, just part of life, part of our family and culture and our identity. And I think it gives all of us, adults included, many more uh, connection points to enter more deeply into our faith. Like this is part of what makes us who we are. And all of these people that we're celebrating, these saints in heaven and these various feasts of the church, they, they share this belief with us and it was, they are important and they, they thought it was important. And, and that can be inspiring to us and with everybody's different temperaments and, and interests and gifts and everything that there's someone for everyone that, that they can find some kind of point of entry there. Yeah. Well, and I always tell people that probably you are already liturgical living in the home. You're just not giving yourself credit for it yet. So, so give yourself credit for the liturgical living that you're doing. Do you have a Christmas tree? You are liturgical living in the home. Do your kids go trick-or-treating? That's Catholic. (laughs) So, you know, you are, you are probably already doing some liturgical living in the home and all you know, all, all I'm trying to encourage people to do is to just build off of that a little bit more. And, um, one, one starting point that, uh, that I think is, is really, uh, you know, a, a great place to start is what I call the, um, the three special days. 
And I think that especially uh, in a big family, it's nice to, you know, kids want to be recognized and singled out and, uh, and and get some extra attention. So instead of just birthdays, which, you know, I'm for it, it's fine. But we do three special days during the year, one their birthday, one their name day, which is the uh, the feast day of either the saint after whom they were named, or if, you know, my name is Kendra, which is not a canonized saint name at the, at, at this moment yet. So <laughs> I use my, um, my confirmation saint name, or, you know, just somebody that you've chosen or your child has chosen as a patron and that name days are what was, uh, was historically celebrated as somebody's special day, uh, in, in Europe. And, there's something really cool about that, that like everybody, you know, na- who's named Matt would be, you know, you'd have to remember to, you know, uh, wish them a happy name day on, oh, I should have picked one that I had September 21st, Matthew. Hey, I should know. But, uh, but so we also celebrate their name day and their baptism anniversary, because if we're going to celebrate my kid's birth, then we definitely should celebrate their baptism day because if we believe what we say we believe, that's a more important day. So I'm not saying take away birthdays, but let's just add some stuff. And we we keep it pretty simple. Um, the special kid gets to choose what we have for dinner, which hopefully I'm organized enough that I remember to ask them ahead of time and can actually go to the store and get what they want. But sometimes it's just you get to pick whatever you want from dinner for dinner from the stuff I have in the house. <laughs> um, and then we have a dessert and they get to eat off the you are special today plate that my uh, mother-in-law gave me. It's very cute. It's bright red. Um, it makes you feel very special. And on your baptism anniversary, you get to blow out your baptism candle if I can find that or another candle, if I can't. (laughs) Um, And so it's, you know, in practice, it doesn't add much to my plate, Um, but it really goes a long way towards, you know, solidifying what we believe that, that I, I think that we could tell kids all we want that your baptism is important and changes you forever. But if every year on their baptismal anniversary, they get to blow out a candle and eat dessert, like that, that really convinces them that this is something special and important. Um, It's that, you know, actions along with our words. I'm laughing because I can so relate. I'm like, yeah, that's me. (laughs) I put the candle. (laughs) (laughs) We, uh, (laughs) we sell three special day candles uh, in the, at the Catholic All Year Marketplace because not everybody kept track of where they put their kids' baptismal candle. And I am one of those people. So we have we we have one that will cover any of those three days. It's fine. Nice, nice. I was th- I've been thinking a lot about that particular issue. And as you know, my my eldest is now 19 or whatever. And I'm thinking about, okay, I'm still still father. But when I think when I become a grandfather, I'm going to have to take on that responsibility of helping my children to organize those things when they're too busy with small children to be thinking about where did I put this stuff? But that's my goal. We'll see if I succeed. But if I become a grandfather, that will be my goal. That's a really beautiful idea. I like that a lot. (laughs) I would have I would have benefited from that. I found it more challenging as they, as the kids are getting older and things are busier. Like I have it, I have them on the calendar. There are a few things. There are only certain things I write on the calendar and pen birthdays, feast days, uh, sacramental anniversaries, things like that. Those go in pen. Everything else is pencil, but even with it staring right, staring me in the face on the calendar, it seems like that's easy to get uh, 
kind of, oh, happy, happy baptismal day. And then onto the next or whatever, it's, it's easy to get kind of swept up in it. We wouldn't do that for a birthday, but you're so right at how the importance of it in relation to everything else. It's a big day. Well, I also think something that's important to remember is what does the church do to feast days sometimes when they uh, conflict with something else? True. Moves true. them. Look at, you know, St. Joseph's day, uh, this year, it, it, there was a conflict, so it got moved. And it's okay to move uh, family celebrations of feast days as well. And we, we do that a lot. So I appreciate that. That's a nice, nice <laughs> date. Nice. Thank you. I pre- that was a nice hand up there. Thank now. you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We had a baptismal day on Ash Wednesday this year. And I was like, mm. Ooh, okay. Yeah. We yeah. would move that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think illness and things. So things like that. Oh, well. Okay. And I, something else I have really enjoyed watching and reading your, um, blog and the, your posts and your YouTube videos you did before your form show is the hospitality you show in celebrating these feasts. You, you bring people into them, like your, your St. Patrick's day, you, you call it the Huli, right? The big, yes. big party that you have or, yes. and other gatherings, even these, even these things we've seen you do on form, do you include, you bring people into that. And, and I think that goes so far. And do you find yourself explaining to some folks, like, why, why are we having this particular party? And yeah, absolutely. And, and I think, I think that it, you know, it, it just, it, it's sort of this, you know, apostolate of, of throwing parties, you know, I always try to invite stragglers over for Christmas or, you know, it would like single guys from my husband's office and, uh, you know, extended family members that we don't see very often. And, you know, for, for all these parties, but the, the, like having them over for Christmas is, is always um, especially memorable because we do a family nativity play on, on the uh, evening of Christmas day. And so people who come over to my house get a t-shirt put on their head and wrapped around and I hand them a stick and I say, all right, you're a wise man. I'll tell you what you need to say. <laughs> and um, and we have a Michaelmas party um, where we have a devil pinata full of candy. Mm. And we tell the story of, you know, the fall uh, of the bad angels. And if you can defeat Satan with your wooden sword, then you get the sweet reward of candy. And so there would be like all these kids from around the neighborhood. <laughs> like, all right, I I don't <laughs> care. I'll hit the pinata. Sure. Um, you know, it, it's just, it's a way to sort of share some of the joy of, of our faith in in a really like just fun, accessible way that I think is non-threatening. And especially when I'm able to explain to to people some of these cultural traditions and how, you know, how this was observed in history or how this was observed in different countries, I think that that's sort of, you know, the the zeitgeist, the like the, the like what's in right now is people being, you know, wanting to learn about other cultures and wanting to learn about, you know, about cultural practices. So I think people are pretty interested in my experience and not threatened by, um, you know, by learning about the faith when it's presented, um, in this way. It's very attractive that way too. One of the, you know, in terms of evangelizing our our living witness, the way we live our, live out our faith is what is most attractive or repulsive a lot of the time. So having these celebrations and the meeting form. That's, that looks like, that looks a great time. I want to be a part of that. So that can be another way of drawing people in. Yeah. 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 So we're recording this during Lent, but our, our this episode is going to air around 
the high point of the church year, the Easter season. And so I, I hold off on decorating for Easter until like the evening of Holy Saturday, and I leave it up for the Easter season. Let's talk a bit about living out these seasons, especially that most festive one, and then ordinary time that follows, how we can uh, kind of maintain the enthusiasm for the 50 days of Easter. I get to the end of that season, and I'm looking at my Easter decorations, and I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, I get <laughs> I, I get this question from, from people a lot um, in regards to Advent and Christmas and then Lent and Easter, because there are so many really beautiful and meaningful, um, you know, pious traditions that are associated with Advent and also with Lent. And we, we go, you know, pretty hard on both seasons. Uh, and I mean, we do all of them and I don't recommend everybody jump in and do that, but we, we definitely actually do. And then you get to the Christmas season or you get to Easter and those things end. And then you're just kind of like, wait a minute, shouldn't I be upping my, you know, pious traditions even more? And the way I see it is, it is no, that, that those are the seasons to then relax and enjoy the fruit of your preparation and not to try to take up a, a bunch of new things that, you know, especially during Advent, it's easy to imagine it as this, you know, preparation for a birth, just like we would prepare for the births of our children and we get everything tidied and, and we purchase the things that we need, or we make the things that we need and we get everything in order. And then once the baby comes, hopefully we're able to, you know, relax and just spend time with our family and not put a lot of obligations on ourselves. And I think the same thing with, with Easter is, I think a beautiful thing about the the traditional Lenten fasting uh, rules were that, you know, that it would create this stockpile of all this food uh, that, that people weren't eating during Lent because uh, people uh, would basically go vegan except you could have fish. Um, and I don't know anybody who um, who is, you know, fake urban homesteader like like me, if you have chickens you know, you know that they don't give, uh, they don't lay as many eggs, you know, especially at this sort of end of, of the winter when it's cold. So instead of everybody having not quite enough eggs, you just wouldn't have any. And then you would have this surplus throughout the Easter season that you could, you know, die and decorate with and eat. Um, and the same thing, you know, they wouldn't eat dairy. So you would have all this extra that you could enjoy um, during during the Easter season and and that it would be, you know, one less thing to worry about that you would still, you know, you would still prepare all, all of these foods because you're not just gonna, you know, not milk your cow or let the, let things go bad. So you would, you know, make it into cheese, you would make it into things that would last and then you would have all of these things to enjoy during the Easter season. So there definitely are things that that we do, you know, like like you were saying, I keep the our Easter decorations up all, um, Throughout the whole 50 days of Lent, I let my kids keep the plastic Easter eggs out. And once they run out of Easter candy to refill and hide for each other, then they end up putting like goldfish crackers or something in there. But basically, I think that I, I think it's okay for there to be, um, you know, we, we give up screens during Lent. So they watch more screens during Easter than, uh, you know, than, than during the rest of the year because they'd given it up for so long. So that's, you know, that's not like peak pious practices, but it does make it memorable and fun and gives my kids positive associations with the season 
that I think do just sort of create that underlying appreciation for for Jesus's sacrifice. <laughs> I, I I mean I I think it does, and and I think it's okay to not for for parents especially to to not put a lot of you know new new uh, responsibilities on your uh, on ourselves. I think it's okay to just you know, relax and, and enjoy and, and try to, to do, try to keep up any of those sort of family times, or, you know, if you were saying a rosary and that was working for your family, you know, try not to abandon that. And we have started some, uh, some really good practices during Lent that we've been able to keep going, but, um, but I wouldn't worry about, you know, trying to add new things, um, onto your plate. I also like that suggestion. I mean, as you're talking about going through Lent, I mean, it's I, from studies that I've seen, that's just kind of the right amount of time to start building up habits too. So, so, you know, what a good, good way to kind of think of that is, yes, this is your, your buildup, you know, so try not to, you don't have to hopefully not lose all of those things, but hopefully you've built some habits that now it's easier. It's, it's enjoyable by the time you get to Easter. Absolutely. And that maybe if you've cut something out entirely, then then, you know, maybe you're able to add it back in more moderation and that I have definitely experienced that in things that I've taken up and given up for Lent that, that then, that were so, so hard at first that I suffered so much. And, and now even something for me, like I, uh, I am a Dr. Pepper addict. I drink two Dr. Peppers a day. And when I first started trying to give it up for Lent, I was so miserable and I definitely don't want to give it up all the time. I don't want to give it up all year, but (laughs) I've gotten to the point where that, that attachment that I really had to it isn't there anymore. And that was, I mean, that took many years. It took, it took many years of, of white knuckling it, um, through, you know, to get to Sunday where I, uh, I am a proponent of not observing one's Lenten disciplines on Sunday. So I just get through till Sunday when I could have, you know, have my fix. Um, but, but I, I genuinely don't suffer it the way I used to. And I, I think it's still really good for me to give it up so that I can prove to myself that I can live without it. And, and just that like something as silly as soda to have a, like to have that genuine attachment in my heart where like, I felt like I needed this thing to survive. And it really was, it was Lent and it was many Lents of, of me, uh, you know, sticking that out. And, and it's same thing with us and screens. Um, and, and I try to be really careful throughout the year with screens and, you know, we, we watch things together as a family or my kids are allowed to play video games, you know, if they play together and with a, you know, set number of uh, narrow selection. Um, but when we, when I force us to detach from that, it's not just them that have to figure out, you know, solutions. It's me too. Right. Because it's so easy for me to say like, Oh, I need to get some stuff done. Why don't you guys go watch a movie? Well, I can't say that now, which means I have to engage in this situation. And something that we took up, I find it's always good, you know, if you're going to give something up to fill that hole with something else. We took up playing cards as a family over Lent. And it's been 
the silliest, like most fun thing. It's been really great. So we've learned, we've tried to learn some slightly complicated card games, like hearts. And we've had, we had such a good time, um, you know, filling that with something else that doesn't make a big mess and doesn't take, like we would always mean to do board games and board games are great, but board games take three hours and fill up my dining room table. But cards, <laughs> cards are great. <laughs> um, and so I hope that we will keep up cards um, as, as a family activity. It's been, it's been fun. We've played some cards here lately and it's quite the novelty when you first get bring out a deck of cards, like there's so much potential, like what are we going to do with these? Yeah. And like, yeah. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> we are spades players around here. It was a Thing I played with my golf team, a game we played on the bus going to golf tournaments. That's next. That's next on our to-do yes. list is to learn spades. And then I really want my children to know how to play bridge and we'll get, you know, fancy hats and we'll be like, like little old people who play bridge. <laughs> We've not gotten to bridge yet. I was about to say that. Yeah. Grandparents are apparently. Yeah. No, my grandmother <laughs> played, had her like, yes. bridge partner and her bridge. Mm-hmm. And I just think like we are missing stuff like that, that gets us because you can, you can talk while you're playing cards and, and you know, it's competition, but mostly friendly. I hope it seemed like it was friendly, <laughs> right? when you do it. <laughs> but you know, it, it, I just, I, I think it's really great. And it's something that, I mean, she was playing bridge through her eighties and I, I mean, how cool would that be if I can, you know, get my kids into bridge and then they like teach their college friends. <laughs> it's, it's sure. a genuine life goal of mine. <laughs> it's a great one. My, my grandmother's bridge group, they were tight. They were together for years and years and years. Yeah. yeah. Well, I would love to hear some more behind the scenes about your formed show. What's it like? You you film it at your house, you write the shows. What, what can you tell us more about behind the scenes a little bit? Yeah, it's it's been so much work, more work than I could have imagined, you know, would go into a 22 minute show. But uh but it's been it's been really really fun. We have a great team of people. Um our uh executive producer is uh Leo Severino who produced the film Bella and Little Boy and he's got um a movie it's about to come out um on St. Francis Cabrini that he just texted me a picture of the pope watching it he just took it and did a screening for the pope so he's great and our camera I'm not going to get the name I'm not going to get the uh roles correct um of uh, of what the jobs are but um but my good friend Elizabeth Mirzai who also shot my YouTube videos, my little, you know, three to 10 minute YouTube videos. It, 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 she has an Academy Award nominated um, short documentary film. So, you know, when she's not making my YouTube videos, she's doing <laughs> like really, really well-respected real documentaries. And sh- so she is uh, uh, doing the, uh, she's a director of photography. That's what it is on the show. And um uh, the dean of students at my uh, my kids who go to a traditional Catholic or a classical Catholic school, but a, you know brick and mortar school. He's the dean of students at the school and uh, was you know moonlighting as uh, as directing a couple of the episodes. Uh, we we've got uh, another photographer. It's a three camera show. There's like lights all over and uh, you know and equipment and all these cords everywhere. And uh, we do like 12 or 13 hour days for the Lent episodes. We shot four episodes in 
two days plus like a half day for B-roll to shoot all those little like this thing in the corner and like these like birds. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You have to remember to shoot all of those things. And so it was really long days and, but it's funny in the, I think, oh, it's the, it's the end of the St. Francis of Rome episode. If you, um, which is the one where Barbara uh, eats all the salt, but that was the, the, when we eat the food at the end of that episode was, it was the last thing we shot. So that was on, you know, after a, it was at like nine, I think it was 9 PM after two days, two and a half days of shooting. And my kids are pretty much seven 30 to bed people, but they, we'd been, you know, they were in the, our little sort of ready room eating cookies. And um, so they're all yawning <laughs> and it looks all bright outside because we have lights shining through a like sort of fake um, screen. So it looks like it's daytime, but it's actually 9 PM and they're yawning and, and they have been eating. Like we started that day eating shrimp etouffee at like 9 AM. Um <laughs> <laughs> and then, it, you know, 9 p.m., they were eating soup and, and pretzels and were finally able to go to bed right after that. But they're really, they, I, I feel so grateful um, that this opportunity came up when it did. My I, my husband passed away um, this summer after a 16-year-long battle with cancer. And, and, you know, I wondered you know, what am I going, what am I going to do now that Catholic all year has always sort of been a hobby and it's been, um, it, it, you know, it's sort it has paid for itself for a long time now, but, um, but it wasn't something that could support my family. And I was thinking, all right, you know, am I going to have to give up homeschooling? Am I going to, you know, go get a job at my kid's school or something? And then this opportunity came up and it's something that we were able to do, all of us as a family. Um, and so not just me go out of the house and get a job that, you know, this opportunity came, came to us. It was something that we could do all together in our house. And I was, you know, I was really grateful, um, for, for the timing of that. And, and as much as it is a lot of work, we, it, it, it is a genuine reflection of how things usually look at our house, even though it's not usually at, you know, 9am or 9pm It you know, it is really what we do. And so, um, it was, it was fun to get to, you know, share that with the kids. As I was, uh, watching some of your shows, I was thinking that, well, it's really amazing, but do you find that it's difficult? Well, the term Catholic celebrity, so both for yourself and then your children now becoming part of that, is that something that you have to be mindful of or, or is that pretty easy to, does it just come naturally with where you're at? No, I, I think that's a really good question and um and an an important concern. And you know, I, I tell people all the time, please pray for famous Catholics because that is that's a it's a weird place to be in, especially priests, because I think that that's um you know, famous priest is a is a dangerous place to be. And so we really, really need to pray for them. I have found it to be so far pretty manageable. Uh, my we we have a sort of running family joke that we get recognized by one person everywhere, you know, whether national parks, amusement parks, um, gas stations, like we get recognized by one person everywhere. We can handle one person. <laughs> there are so many, you know, the sort of the core people who have been following me have been following 
my blog for, for 10 years. And it's more like, you know, they see us as a family friend and, uh, oh, my, my daughter, my second oldest, um, is at you, Mary in Bismarck, North Dakota. And she says that people come up to her and, you know, they walk by her and they recognize her and they say, oh, my mom said I should say hi to you. (laughs) So that's what, you know, that's what my kids get is people's moms telling them to be nice to my daughter. So that's pretty good. (laughs) That's pretty good. (laughs) Well, what sorts of things are you looking forward to coming up with the show or with Catholic all year or? Yeah. So the show is a little up in the air now. Um, I, I, you know, I'd be happy to do more. It's just that with, uh, you know, with the equipment and the crew that it requires, um, we are seeing if we can secure funding to to make more episodes. So pray for us, please, uh, for that. Um, but yeah, it, it it has been really fun and I would love to have it be, I'd love to get at least, you know, all the way around the calendar so that at least it is all year. So I, I'd love to have some uh, ordinary time, uh, summer and fall episodes. And then, you know, if, if there was an interest in it, then, you know, there's a lot more content to be had. So please, you know, anybody who's listening, uh, if you will, will watch some of the episodes on formed for me, you can usually, uh, a lot of parishes have a free subscription. Um, so you can just go to formed.org and type in your uh, zip code or your parish and, uh, and you can get a lot of, through a lot of parishes, you can get access for free, or you can do a free seven day trial and watch the show and uh, let form know if you like it. um, And maybe we'll get to make more. But other than that, there will eventually be a cookbook that that features the recipes that we do on form. So uh, I will hopefully finish that up this summer. That's been really fun. And uh, we had a great um, prep chef who is a graduate of of the school that my kids go to on these on these last episodes. And she was a big help. Uh, and so I think, uh, I think I'm going to lean on her expertise a little bit to get everything in book worthy recipe form. Uh, so that was fun. And then we're still doing the subscription boxes. We're still, um, we're trying to improve the, uh, the membership experience for people. I think we're going to redo the website, which is always, um, terrible while you're doing it. But though the, uh, Trisha Duga, who, Uh, I just reached out to out of the blue on Instagram um, when my book, the Catholic all year compendium was coming out. And I, cause I just liked her art style and asked her if she would uh, illustrate the cover to that book. And she did the Catholic, the Catholic all year prayer companion, which is the uh, second book in sort of that liturgical living series. She did that cover too. And now she's working uh, full-time for Catholic all year as our art director. So for a very long time, I was just sort of cobbling together everything for Catholic all year on my own. Um, and it's, it's nice to have people who actually know what they're doing now helping me out around there. And it's not all just, uh, me, you know, trying to figure it all out. Um, so she is, uh, you know, is going through and making everything a little bit prettier and, uh, and a little more user-friendly. So yeah, I think that, uh, that our goal as always is just to, to keep creating content that will, that will, uh, you know, embolden people and, and make them feel like they can give this a try 
because genuinely, I think it's been such a blessing for, for my family. I can definitely put a plug in for your form. I, I'll focus in on that one that, that St. Francis of Rome that you're talking about, but you know, great information about cooking and food and saints and the history of pretzels and the uh, the great advice for soup and making collecting those leftovers and freezing them and and it's 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 compact too so it's something we can watch as a family and, and kind of get inspired maybe to try some of these things ourselves but lots of good stuff there's just so so much fun to watch so people should check it out <laughs> thank you i i really appreciate that and you know, I was thinking of it as as it would just be, you know, a, a, a cooking show like they have on, uh, you know, on Magnolia Network or um, uh, things like that. But it really did turn into when I when I started planning the episodes, it's like, I really can't do this. I'm trying to explain to this team of people who actually make shows. Like, I really can't do this with, if we don't let my kids do it with me. They're like, oh, that, you know, you know, that complicates all of this a lot. Like, yes, I do. But it does in real life as well. Um, and I think that because the kids are are in there, um, you know, my my friends keep saying like, oh, my kids love your show. I'm like, really? Your kids are like, all right, great. Yeah. That we didn't set out to to really, you know, to make a kid's show. It's not officially a kid's show, but it has been so fun to hear back from um, from people who, who are watching it as a family and that their kids like it. <laughs> yeah. I was watching the latest episode. I've, I've seen them. I, so the St. Nicholas episode, St. Nicholas day sneaks up on me every year. I don't know why it still does now. Anyhow. Okay. So the latest episode I was watching in preparation for our conversation today and my girls are middle schoolers and pretty soon they were both right there. Like what, what's this, what do we want? You know, they were into it too. They really enjoyed it. And I think it's great to set before them as, as, they can kind of put it in their file, as I like to say, like, this is something to be thinking about as you're getting older and, and taking on your own household and things like that. So that's great. That's right. Like we, as parents, we want to give them tools that they can pull yes. out of their toolbox when they need it. And <laughs> Yep. It's a great way to do it. Well, as we're coming to the end of our time together, do you have maybe one or two tips to bring it back to homeschooling? Do you have maybe one or two tips for families who are homeschooling with littles in the mix? Yeah. So uh, as long as I have been homeschooling, we've always had little kids um, in in the home. And I tried a lot of different things. I tried, you know, putting the little kids down in front of a show. I tried, you know, having sort of complicated like crafts, things that they could only use during um, during school time. And but but all of that sort requires sort of a you know, they won't stay watching TV. If, if there are other people in other parts of the house doing other things, they would always come and find us anyway, or want to tell me about something that was happening. And right. so, and I can't manage to keep up the upkeep on, you know, the bead sorting thing that like, I, you know, I can't do stuff like that, that requires, I can do big one-time projects. I can't remember to refill the bead thing. Right. So what I have found is to just like my three, you know, my, my three-year-old believes that she is in school and doing school with us and she has her own chair and she gets to sit there and, you know, I'll give her a coloring book or something, but not even usually then, but like we have, we have some old little, you know, school desks that I, that I got from when our school moved to locations. And so she has her own little desk and she gets to sit at it. 
And I think that 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 is enough for my little kids to just believe that they are part of what is happening and that they listen, you know, as I'm doing lessons with other kids, my, uh, my five-year-old who's in kindergarten, I do a few things, a couple, not even few, I do a couple of things with him on his own. Um, but basically they just get to be around while we do it. And, you know, with, with the older kids, I think that there was more sort of uh, a, a little more struggle and disruption. I, I highly recommend getting to kids nine and 10 because they are just super chill. <laughs> <laughs> so much more chill than the older ones. <laughs> um, but so th- I, I'm sure that's part of it, but they are really just sort of happy to, you know, sort of be gently involved with us. And and that's something that, that I, um, you know, have really been doing throughout um, is that it it ended up taking more time to try to to try to have them out of the room or try to have them you know with specific things to do rather than just sort of invite them to participate in what I'm doing with the with the older kids even though you know it's it's kind of over their head but they you know they think they're doing school with us and that's good enough for me <laughs> sure they're part of the action yeah, yeah. that makes sense yeah and then maybe a word or two of encouragement for finishing our school year as well. We're in that part of the year. Where we're like, okay, <laughs> the end is in sight. I know. Yeah. I mean, and, and we will be so happy once the weather turns around here and it's not like forties in Southern California. Um, and we are going to really want to go outside, but, um, but yeah, I, I do try to, I, I appreciate having some structure. And so I have our, you know, I have our list of things that we're going to accomplish for the year. And this year it was, we decided to take it a little bit easier on ourselves. So it's, it's been a manageable for your year for us this time, but I know sometimes I've uh, committed us to a lot of things, but I do, I, I think that even for homeschoolers, I, you know, I, I feel a lot of, um, of pride in us, you know, trying to do a job well and actually get it done. Um, and uh, and then we definitely are, we are summer takers around here. We, I, I don't, uh, do homeschool of the summer because I try to get work done or, you know, write book manuscripts and stuff in the summer. So we don't keep up with, with things the way some homeschoolers do, but you know, the thing that's most motivating to my kids is to try to get done before their siblings are done from the uh, brick and mortar school. So that's always a big motivation for us is if they can get done, you know, a week before, then they can really lord it over the the uh, <laughs> real school. To go. <laughs> Good stuff. That's helpful. You know, it's a, it can be, we're almost there. We're almost there. Just hang in there a little bit. Yep. And so much, so true about wanting to end well, wanting to do a good job throughout and end it well. Also like finishing a piece of music, ending it well. Yeah, that's right. And I don't want to have just sort of thrown my hands up and been like, all right, we're like, this is it, yeah. you know, to instead like, all right, we're done. And, uh, yes. we, we have the same, we have, uh, we have bagel bites and root beer floats for when we start school and we have bagel bites and root beer floats for when we end school. <laughs> So there's always the bagel bites and root beer floats to look forward to when we finally finish that last math lesson. (laughs) Love that. 
All right. Well, in our show notes today, we will have links to the Catholic All Year website and the the formed show also that and Kendra explained kind of how to avail ourselves of the form subscription or access to the form to be able to watch these episodes. They're great. I've enjoyed them all. So check our show notes for lots of links to stuff we've covered today. Kendra, what a gift it's been to get to meet and visit with you today. Thank you so much for coming to visit with us on the Colby cast. Thank you. This was really fun. Subscribe to the Colby cast on your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss an episode. And let us know how we're doing by leaving a rating or review. And as always, feel free to email us at podcast at colby.org. Mary, our mother, pray for us. St. Maximilian Colby, pray for us. Ad maiorem Dei Gloriam.